0: We're going to look at it tonight. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 1, you would stand, and just in reverence to the Word of God for a moment. It said in verse 1, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife, uh, some stuff going on in church here, and Paul is addressing it. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Corinth was a pretty wicked place. And Paul is having to get this, this is going on in the church, is common. And Paul had to put his foot down to give him some information. But I want to tell you about this. And I want to show you the differences between this term and another term I'm going to touch on this subject. It said for in verse number three, For I verily, as absent in the body, or absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. Paul said, I already got my mind made up. I know what's right. And then it says in verse number 4, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a name. Glory to God. It said, When ye are gathered together, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he said in verse 5, To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now twice he said here, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 4. And then he said in verse number 5, in the day of the Lord Jesus. I want to preach on that little thought tonight, on the day of the Lord Jesus. We're not going to deal with a man... Uh, that's committing fornication in the church. Paul give them an answer on that. Uh, next time you meet together, get him out of here. Right. That's, right. that's what you do in churches. When I was a young man, uh, people done stuff like that, they dismissed them. Right. Today you have to embrace them. I don't, but people do. Amen. Yeah, right. You remember that? Those years ago when... When church members did wrong, they dealt with the church member. And now we just kind of pat them on the back and smile. And that's not good. That's not right. That's the reason our churches don't have no standards all over the country. Amen. We're living in those days. I know you got standards. I appreciate your preacher. I know what he preaches. I haven't sat down and talked to him lately to see what his last sermon was. He may have preached what i preach preaching tonight, this morning. And if he did, that's good and great. You just got a double whammy on it. All right, you can be seated and let's pray. Father, give us tonight what we need. Show us, Lord, the differences in these little phrases we're going to talk about tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us wisdom and understanding to put it together so we'll know. We thank you, Lord, for the goodness of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, when I first started off preaching, people didn't know exactly what they were believing I lived, went to church when I was just a young preacher. We had 17 preachers in the congregation. Every one of them thought they had the message for every, every service. I was one of them. That was a big heartache, I'm sure, on the pastor. Amen. I'm, I'm sure he didn't like it. And we all thought we had the message. But we had preachers in there that thought different ideas about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I find it ain't changed a whole lot since then. Uh, One would have one idea about the Lord's coming, another and another. And uh, they would argue among themselves. And here I was, didn't know anything about the Bible. And I had to choose what I had to do, study the Word of God. And the Word of God settled me on a subject. I'm not going to get into those different subjects tonight. Uh, I want to preach on the, this subject I've got. And we're going to talk about tonight the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord Jesus, the day of Christ. And uh, sometimes people don't really know what those different subjects are. The one I'll say, do you believe in the day of the, uh, the day of the Lord? I say, yeah. And then I say, do you believe in the, the day of Christ? And I'll say, yeah. And sometimes they put them together. They're not the same. And I want to use the Word of God to help you with that. You said I already have the answer to that. Well, that's good. I'm just going to nail it down for you. All right, now let's look at it. So I want us to turn in 2 Corinthians. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to talk about the day of the Lord Jesus. The day of Jesus. The day of the Lord. And we'll look at that in a different manner too, as it is. So we're going to go from 1 Corinthians to 2 Corinthians. And when we get to 2 Corinthians, we'll follow in this order. We'll take first the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to go to verse number 14. Now the Bible said, what does that mean? The day of the Lord Jesus. In chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians... It's dealing with the rapture of the church. Notice what it says. I'm going to show you this. He said to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He's talking to the church. It's the church that's going to get raptured. It's the church that's going to be called out of here. Amen. And this is not the revelation when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives. This is when the church is going to be called out. So he's going now to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 14. And he said, And also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now the day of the Lord Jesus is when he comes in the clouds To take up the saints of God and call us all up to glory and we'll have a judgment seat of Christ. And uh, we'll not get into that much. I just got a lot of scriptures and I want to show you. You'll never know the Bible unless you look at it from verse to verse. Here a little, there a little. So the next one I want to go to is in Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. And when we get to Philippians chapter 1, I want us to look at verse number 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6 and he says being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work that's the salvation of God that you've got this is the church he said of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ what's he going to do as saved people he's going to Keep us in this thing till he comes. I'm saved, amen, to the day of redemption for you and I as the saints of God. Now we're we'll going a little bit further. I want you to go to verse 10 of Philippians chapter one, verse number 10. And he says, "Here that ye may reprove these uh, approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere, and without offense till the day of Christ. That's still the same thing. The day of Christ and the day of Jesus Christ. This is what's going to happen. This is to the rapture. These are scriptures Paul's giving. Paul was a grace preacher. Every preacher's been preaching ought to be preaching grace. And without works. Yes, right. Minus any works. Amen. Amen. Grace, grace, all alone. Thank God, all grace. Nothing but grace. Alright? So we look at chapter uh, 1 and verse number 10. And uh, we'll look at some more in a minute. But let's look at chapter 2 and verse 16 of Philippians. Chapter 2 and verse 16. Get these phrases in mind. I want you to know what they are. We'll show you the difference in a minute. Holding forth the word of life... uh, That he said that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now Paul's talking about his earthly ministry. He's talking about the church. He's talking about before the Lord comes. And uh, we'll look at this again in just a moment. Now take your Bible and let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now the Thessalonian books, uh, they tell you about... uh, uh, about the second coming quite a bit. In First Thessalonians chapter number four, we want to read, if you will, tonight in verse fifteen. But to learn where we're at, and to get our place in the scriptures, let's go back to verse thirteen. This is used at a lot of funerals, preachers preach it. I've used it many times, I preach it, sometimes to preach it where it's a funeral or not. Even when you preach in the Baptist church it's about like going to a funeral. Amen, Pastor. He says in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now he's talking to the saints of God, is he not? Amen. He's not calling them heathen. He's calling them brethren. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who are dead, those you've buried, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Then he says, for if we believe that Jesus Christ, or Jesus died and rose again, do you? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now look at verse 15. It says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain. Where's that phrase usually brought up at? The rapture alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. And look at this, the coming of the Lord. It didn't say uh, the, the day of the Lord. It said the coming of the Lord. There's a difference there. And he says, shall not prevent them which are asleep. They're not going to prevent them. and They're going to go ahead of them. So he's talking to the ones that we planted in the cemetery. The ones who have outstripped us and gone to glory. Glory. The ones that we said goodbye to. Amen. Uh, I said, to, my wife died and I said to her, and I say it every once in a while, I drive through the over there by the cemetery and I say, uh, I'll see you in the morning. Because when she died, I said, uh, good night. See you later. See you in the morning. That's the resurrection morning. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now we're talking about the rapture here. Now just to show you the difference, and I want to talk about this in a minute, we'll come back to it later. But he says in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, in verse number 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. I want to show you that there's a two. Uh, there's a difference between these two that I talked about the day of the Lord up here uh, or the, the, the coming of the Lord in chapter 4 and the day of the Lord in chapter 5. That's two different comings. You said, how do you know that? I'll show it to you. He says here in verse number 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You've heard preachers talk about me coming as a thief in the night. When I was a little young preacher, we had a little place over there, and we, we got us a little uh, place on the side of the road and threw out all the beer cans and cut the kudzu out. And those 17 preachers learned to go over there and preach on Friday and Saturday nights so we could have more preaching. And uh, we go in there and we'd talk about it, and I'd preach, and They had preached. One night I preached on the second coming of the Lord in the rapture. And I said, The Lord, one of these days, is coming. And he's going to come. as a thief in the night. And he's going to steal the bride away. And I used to preach that. And you said, What's wrong with that? The only thing that ain't the rapture. Amen. I didn't say any more about it. I thought I I shouted. Some more shouted with me. We had a good time. An old uh, preacher came in on the next. Saturday and preached and he got up and preached and he said some of you believe that Jesus is coming in the rapture and he's and he, you know he, he went on to this thing here and he said you said he's going to come as a thief in the night and I'm over there amening and I'm getting a whole hog in the middle of it then he said but I got news for you He's coming as a thief and a knight, but he's not coming to steal the bride away. That's what I'd said. He owns it. He paid for it. Amen. He purchased it. Yeah. He bled for it. And he's just going to come and get his own. Now he had a little of that mixed up in the thought on that thought too. But I'll tell you this. What's going to happen to rapture? He's not coming as a thief. He's coming. Amen. He's, he's not, we know he's coming. Some of y'all may not. Some of you may, it may not have dawned on you yet. But I got up this morning looking for him. I'm going to go to bed tonight looking for him. I'm going to get up in the morning looking for him. Not too many folks looking for him anymore, but he's coming. How's he coming? Not as a thief in the night, he's coming in a moment. And a twinkling of an eye. And when he's coming as a thief in the night, he's coming for the Jews. Amen. I get get in trouble preaching all this, but I'm telling you, so I've looked at it over and over and over and over, and I'm comfortable tonight that the rapture is for the saints of God who are birthed into the family, born in the family, and those who are looking for Him. The Bible said, "Going to get a crown," and uh, Amen. You better keep looking for Him like I am. I'd like for you to have that crown too. Amen. Yes, amen. Now you go on. and Look at this. We find there's two different things. Now I want to uh, kind of slide over to something else. Let's go tonight and uh, go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, and when we get to 2 Thessalonians, we're going to go to chapter 2. I want you to see this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, all this that I've talked about is the rapture, except that one I just mentioned a moment ago. Chapter 2 in verse 1 said, Now we beseech you, brethren... By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There again is the rapture. And by our gathering together unto him. And verse 1 says that. I'll give you verse 2. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us. As that the day of Christ is at hand. He's talking about the rapture. The day of the revelation of Christ has got a seven year tribulation yet to go to get there. Understand? So we are seeing that we're looking for the Christ to come. I believe he's coming in the rapture to get the saints of God, pull us out, and us who are alive and remain will be caught up with the Lord in the clouds, in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Somebody said, when we get caught out in the rapture, where are we going? Going in the air with the Lord. How long are we going to be there? From now on. If I'm not reading my Bible incorrect, when we get called out of the grave, caught up in the air, and He's coming in the clouds to take us up, what's going to happen? You're going, I'm talking about that's the resurrection morning. We get up, we go to heaven. And then after the tribulation, after the tribulation, where God's going to bring the Jews back in, us saints in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation are coming back on horses. And that's when He puts His feet on the Mount of Olives and feeds every unborn again person or every person tonight that's been against God, feed them to the birds. You said that's kind of a plain thing to say. That's just what the Bible said going to send out a clarion call to all the buzzards and everything else. You ever wondered about that? I read this some time ago and it said the buzzards are the only thing that don't have a song of the fowl of the air. It's always eating dead things. Think about that. So what's going to happen? Well, now let's just look at something else. As we get to this this morning, we want to now uh, look at something else and I pray that God might help us as we look at it and uh, we'll praise his name for it I want us to go back into the book of let's see I, I believe I will go back to Isaiah if I can find where I'm at in Isaiah I may have to look at the scriptures and just find the place but we're in Old Testament now did you just see what I'm doing I'm going to the Old Testament we're going to get a different term This term I've talked about tonight, it's a New Testament term. So we'll go to Isaiah and we'll flip through the book of Isaiah and find these words. Happened to find it. It was there all the time. Isaiah chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse number 12. I want you to see the difference in the wording. I want you to see the difference in what's going to happen. Judgment's not coming to the church, when we go out of here, it's going to come after we get there. Judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us what's going to happen. But when the Jews get brought back in and restored, they're going through what the Bible calls Jacob's trouble. That's a tribulation period. That's right. Some of you think we're there. I've been told uh, we're in tribulation. Well, I'm not in tribulation. I'm not trusting the church to go through tribulation. We're going to have to get the The last two years I've dealt with people, Preacher, what do you think about the mark of the beast? I said, what do you want me to say? I believe in the mark of the beast. I'm not going to be here. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ. He's coming in great power and glory. Now let's go to Isaiah We'll follow through. We've got more verses here. But I want to show you these things. And I may skip some of them in a minute. Uh, You start yawning. I'll probably preach 15, 20 more minutes. But let's go to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Look at verse number 12. Isaiah 2.12 says, For the day of the Lord. We've been talking about the day of Christ. That's when the Lord comes. For the church. The day of the Lord is an Old Testament phrase, and it's also a New Testament phrase, but it, it pinpoints it. It's when God deals with the Jews and brings those Jews back into the homeland and does the work that He does. They're not all back in the homeland yet, by the way. For Amen. I say that sometimes and people look at me funny. He said, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. God's going to start dealing with the world. i I uh, seen a fellow this past week, and we got talking about things. And he said, uh, he said to me, He said, You know, the Lord's in, and I don't worry about anything, he said the Lord's in charge. I said, What's he in charge of? What's he in charge of? Is he in charge of the government? Nope. Amen. And I said, he's not in charge. The Bible said, the God of this age, the God of this world, is in charge. Now that's a hard question for you to answer. And I said to him, if he's in charge, he's doing a mighty poor job. With everything, he's do not have it under control. And I want to tell you, my Savior is not weak. Amen. Think on this. And I looked at him, I said, You going to church? He said, Nope, not right now. And I knew you wasn't. I said, See, he can't even get you in, in control. Because if he's in control, you'll be at the house of God. You think we're going to get through the wind up of this thing and the Lord judges the earth and then He's going to let you run up and down the country like you're a hobo? Now these are not funny things to preach. This gets a hold of you. Now let's go to Isaiah 13, 6. The Jew is under judgment. He's on the sidelines. Amen, mighty poor. Amen, in there. <laughs> the Jew has been put on the sideline. He's not been forsaken. He's been put to the side. God didn't put the church here to take his place. We're not here to take his place. God give us a church to increase the bride. He came. He put us here for the bride. We're the bride. Don't excite too many. Somebody said, I believe he's the bride. No, he ain't, he's the bridegroom. Amen. We're the bride. Somebody said, I believe uh, the Lord's already come. I said, when he comes, we'll go to heaven with him. We're just now espoused to him. Jesus is not even the bridegroom yet, he's, and the church is the bride but we're just espoused. He said, I don't believe that. When would you go to the wedding? If you're a bride, you're the church. Was you there? Did you miss it? He ain't had the br- wedding yet. I preached this the other day. He's not even king tonight. Somebody said King Jesus. Yes, sir. I'll tell you, the Bible talks about him being king. But the Bible said in 1 John, or first chapter of Revelation, John said it, he is a prince. A prince is somebody that's waiting to be king. And you won't find him be king until you get to Revelation chapter 19. And now he's going to come back on a white horse and they're going to crown him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And above that you'll find we had a marriage supper before he comes back to the earth. Yes, sir. Read that. It'll change your mind on a lot of things. Now we go into Isaiah chapter number 13, verse number 6. How ye, or how ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Now he's telling Isaiah that the Lord is at hand. He had not come yet, has he? It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. You'll find when he comes back to this earth, he'll come with destruction. He'll call the buzzards and the birds to feast at the, at the feast. Alright? Then it says down in Isaiah chapter Thirteen in verse number nine. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath. He's not coming in wrath at the rapture. He's coming in wrath to deal with the Jews and the Gentile nations, and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners. They're off out of it. The Jews have rejected him. He's coming back. He's going to prove to them that he's the Messiah. They're going to have to accept him as the Messiah. Or they'll be destroyed. You with me? All right, now let's go to Jeremiah 46. In Jeremiah 46 tonight. Let's turn to that. And you said, Preacher, you just got these things going. I'm not used to that. Well, that's all right. You can't say that when you leave tonight either. Jeremiah 46 and verse number 10. The Bible said, For this is the day of the Lord, God of hosts, a day of vengeance. Do you think the Lord's coming back to the church to make vengeance on the church? Actually, He's told us throughout the Bible several times that He has not promised us wrath. We're we're not going to go through a tribulation period that people tell me we are. He said, A day of vengeance that He may avenge him of his adversaries, and the sword shall devour, and it shall be set in and made drunk with their blood. That's not what he's coming for the church for. Got it? The Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. So that put it back in Israel. Amen. Now let's go to Ezekiel 13.5. Amen. I may just stop and give you these, these verses in just a minute and jump on over. Amen, and so we can have the baptize. Amen. I, I was talking today at table, and uh, I asked his wife, "How long do you want me to leave? How long she want me to leave him under the water, till the bubbles quit?" I ain't gonna tell you what she said. He said, "Here, the River Euphrates, Ezekiel now thirteen and 5. Ezekiel 13 and 5. This, I hope, is interesting to you, and I may have lost you on the first verse. I don't know. Ezekiel 13 and verse 5. He says in verse 4, O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the desert. So we know who he's talking to. Verse 5 said, Ye have not grown, or not gone up into the uh, gaps, Neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. it pretty plain, don't he? He's coming to the Jew here. Yes, sir. Ezekiel chapter 30 and verse 3. Ezekiel 30 and verse 3. Don't ever get these two terms mixed up. You won't understand it. You ever mix the day of Christ and the day of the Lord You'll get in trouble. Verse three said, "For the day is near; even the day of the Lord is near—a cloudy day. It shall be the time of the heathen. Raptures not the heathen." Joel chapter one verse fifteen. Several times in the book of Joel, he mentions this phrase. Amen. We, we'll look at that just a minute. Going past Daniel and. Get on over, and I taught off the book of Joel forty-two Sundays, I believe it was, in Sunday school, and uh, the, the book of Joel don't have many chapters, but it sure is exciting. So we look at Joel. I'll get there in a minute. Let's look at Joel chapter one in verse number fifteen. Alas for the day, uh, for the day. For the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. That's when God's coming back for judgment. Joel chapter 2 and verse number 2 says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, or verse 1, excuse me, blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand. Chapter 2 and verse 11 says, And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Then in chapter 2 and verse 31. He said, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. Revelation talks about the sun not shining. Talks about the moon, the stars falling. Does it not? That's not the rapture. I'm not looking for the sun to go out when the rapture takes. Then we go to chapter number three and verse number 14 multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision the sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining say, I don't believe all that well hang around amen if you don't die for then you see it just remember this message tonight go to Amos chapter 5 and verse 18. Amos chapter 5 and verse 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Sounds tough, don't it? Now if you don't know where the day of the Lord is and when it's going to happen, just remember you don't want to be here. You said, how can I keep from it? If you're not saved, get saved. If you are saved, just keep trusting the Lord Jesus and living for the Lord Jesus and witnessing to people to get more out of the same mess that you could be in. You know what God's told the church to do? You know what the church's job is tonight? Witness. Got that conveyed over. What's the job of the church? Not to feed the poor. He said we'd always have the poor. You can feed them if you want to. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't major on feeding the poor. You'll have them always. What's your job? Your job is to tell them that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, went to the grave, and rose on the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if you're not doing that, I remember when we started our print print ministry, I was working on a public job. And I'm saying, Lord, I want your perfect will. I don't guess many preachers have not come to the place had not prayed for that. It's hard to find the will of God. Once you find it, it's hard to stay there, preacher, isn't it? You have to do this thing every day as a preacher. And so I'm saying, Lord, what is your perfect will for my life? And the Lord turned me in the Scriptures to the book of Peter where he says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I said, oh Lord, so simple. If you want to be in the perfect will of God, just remember, your job is to win souls. God will be in that and God will bless that. And you step out of that, you're out of the will of God. All these other things you can do, but I'm telling you what you need to do is make sure that you're trying to do all you can to win people into the family of God. Amen. Amen. Which makes you sometimes want to come along and somebody says, what about the kingdom of heaven? And what about the kingdom of God? I had a woman ask me this morning, what's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? And I'm not even going to attempt to start that tonight. Amen. But there's a difference, a big difference. So I look at these things and I see what God's doing and I appreciate what the Lord's done. And I can go on now this comes over and carries over in to the New Testament. I'm not going to go much further than that. I believe I'll give you enough to understand it, or at least confuse you. And maybe you go home and study it. But I'm telling you tonight, there's a difference between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. You can see that because he goes to the Old Testament to get the day of the Lord. And the day of Christ is all in the New Testament. So you can see what he's doing. He's dealing with the saints in the New Testament. And he's dealing with the Jewish nation or the Hebrews. And also the Gentile nations too. I don't have time to get into that. But I trust God will help you to understand that and grasp it. Like I said... Oh, we don't need stuff like... Listen, you know why people are so confused? They don't study this. Preachers don't preach this. It's not a favorite subject of mine either. Amen. I noticed a while ago when I was telling you about Jesus, He rose on the third day. I got some response. See, that's where I like to be. And the reason you didn't do it on the other is you don't know about that. You're not sure about that. You're not satisfied about that. But if you're assured on it as I am tonight, it wouldn't be no problem. I just don't know when it's going to happen. But I know it's going to happen. Amen.